Good morning, Ray of Hope. We need to go back a little bit to Mother God. That's where I want to go. To Mother God, that nurturing God, that Mother God that took every tear that you shed, that Mother God who needed to hold you in the midnight hour, Mother God who needed to embrace you, not let you go, hold on to you, Mother God, Mother God, that's who we worship. Oh, he gets all the praise, he gets all the honor, he gets all the glory because he knows how to be a mother. And if he had not known how to be a mother, we would not be mothers today. We love and honor our bridge over troubled water. Our bridge over troubled waters. Who can be compared? What did Isaiah say? Who can be compared? None like him. None like Mother God. And we love you, God, for being our mamas. We praise you, God, for even when we didn't know you were there. Hallelujah. You were there. Even when I questioned if you were there. I thank you, God, for being mommy and taking every tear. And for this, I give you praise. Are we come bringing a tribute to mothers? Uh, whether she's mother, mom, mommy, my dear, big mama, stepmother, stepmom, grandmother, godmother, sister, brother, auntie, cousin, playmother, nanny, Gigi, Yaya, or other mother, and fathers that were both mothers and fathers, or that person that holds a special place in your heart as mother. We come this morning to celebrate the loving presence of mother in our lives. We acknowledge there are those who may have lost their biological mothers early in life. And we thank God for the surrogate mothers that were sent your way. And God chose to mother you. While we acknowledge that we hear mother may trigger a negative experience or relationship. We thank God for the women or men he sent. Mother God sent to nurture you and see you through. For we come celebrating mothers this morning for being the true givers of life. She was there for you. She was there when you needed her. You heard her voice even when you didn't want to hear it. And as you matured, you often heard her voice, her words, instructing you and giving you guidance. And you may often find yourself saying, as my mother or mom would say, because she always had something to say. We may have oftentimes felt she had too much to say. She intuitively would know that something was on your mind or that something was wrong even when you denied it. In a brief conversation over the telephone, she could just hear your voice 
knowing that something was not right with you. And perhaps it would be in the way you would call her name that she would know something was going on with you. Malika says, Mom, I said, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. What's wrong, Malika? Oh, nothing, 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 nothing. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But you can count on her. She's dependable, and when you ask her opinion, she's honest, forthright, and does not mince her words. She's your protector, your guide, your meteorologist, can forecast and see what can happen down the road. Oh, yes, she can. My mother would say, Marsha, I can look at muddy water and see dry land. <laughs> muddy water? You can see dry land through muddy water. Lord have mercy. It took me years and years before I could understand that statement. Uh, she's your voice of reason. And when you, when you understand and when you do not understand, you know in the depths of your soul that you can trust her. For she's a nurturer, compassionate, a listener, dependable, confidant, tough disciplinarian, tough disciplinarian insightful, clever, or speaks in proverbs or stories and has a way with words. When she calls your name, whether you are in the room with her or not, you know it's your mother. Your name rolls off her tongue like no one else can say it. Marsha Jean, oh God, here we go. When she's happy or pleased, it sounds one way. But when she's displeased, the emphasis and the enunciation changes sharply. But she always has your back. Will tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. Whether you are grown or still growing up, she supports you in all your endeavors. She wants you to excel and do well in life. She firmly knows and understands her role in your life. She makes sacrifices spoken and unspoken. And she demands a lot by setting the bar high because she know, knew or knows you could achieve it. She believes in you when you did not believe in yourself. She's your biggest cheerleader, but she's also your harshest critic because she wants the very best for you. Like my mama would say, ain't nobody else gonna say this to you but me. So I'm gonna go on and say it. They gonna say all that stuff that got your head up there. But let me tell you, I'm gonna tell you like it really is. But most importantly, no matter what, you know she loves you unconditionally. She has an acceptance of you like no one else, and nothing can turn her against you. She will run the last mile, and then some. You can tell her anything and everything. With tongue and an expression on her face, she could put you in a place by just giving the eye. Don't make me have to come in there. And do not make me tell you this again. Do not look at me in that tone of voice. Don't you dare roll your eyes at me. 
We all know about the eye. These are the women we celebrate today. We celebrate their strength of character, their dignity, their per perseverance, their nobility and tenacity, their undying commitment, dedication, the depth of their wisdoms, insights and, in and discernment. Trendsetters, trailblazers, women that did not and will not take no for an answer. You were taught your word is your bond. Mother, mom, mommy, my dear, Mama, big mama, stepmother, stepmom, grandmother, godmother, sister, brother, auntie, cousin, playmother, or other mother, nana, yaya, gigi, or my other mom made an indelible impression and sustainable impact on our lives. Their lives continue to speak and bring definition to who we are today. We celebrate the path they trod. We celebrate the power of their legacy. For those mothers who are no longer physically with us, they remain close in our hearts, and we love them with all our hearts. This day, we honor and celebrate our mothers, whoever mother is or was for you. I now invite you to call out the name of that person that holds a special place in your heart as mother. I call out the name of my mother, Marceline McDaniel Hart. Thank you, Pastor Espinosa and Reverend Renita, for the opportunity to preach and impart the word of God on this special day. I especially thank you for all the love and support you have given my daughter, Malika, over the years. Your love and support calmed this mother's heart. When I wanted to say, I cannot thank you enough, because I wanted to say, you need to come home. You in Tennessee, come out of Tennessee and come home. But she found love here and support here. And that's what a church can do for you. When you have leaders like Pastor Espinoza and Reverend Renita, I thank you. Can't thank you enough. Can't say enough. Now, it's time to do whatever I can do with this word. Now, may the words of my mouth and the many meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My text this morning is taken from the book of Psalms, Psalm 91, 1 through 4, and Psalm 121, 1 and 2. Psalm 91, 1 through 4. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wing shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes 
unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The title of my sermon this morning is Too Equipped to Quit. Too Equipped to Quit. Mother to son, life for me ain't been no crystal stare. Uh, can't you hear the voices, Sarah, 90 years? Yes, I laughed, and I'm going to fix it. Can't you hear the voice of Hagar? I don't think so as this African-Egyptian ran from her oppressor. Can't you hear the voice of Elizabeth at 60, still praying, still hoping, still bearing? Can't you hear the voice of Hannah crying, praying, pleading to God to give her a son and saying, I've had enough of this woman ridiculing me. I am praying, please God, life. For them, ain't been no crystal stare. These are the familiar stories of women in the Old Testament who miraculously gave birth to sons. Stories. Stories always have a way of letting us know who people are. They are a source of identity, a source of understanding how one evolves. And they are a source of seeing motivation, drive, passion, or the lack thereof. Our stories composite our lived experience. They bring clarity to the path we trod. Often, people ask questions that begin to reveal our stories. But they do not see the hidden pieces, the pieces that stay in our hearts but are clearly indicative of where we are now and how we arrived there. On this Mother's Day, let me share a glimpse of my mother's story. My mother grew up in a small town in Tyler, Texas. She was the oldest of three sisters in her family. My grandmother's siblings and relatives owned the entire block of Bordock Street, had red mud and sand, I couldn't understand why them people lived there. Anyway, the McDaniels, my grandfathers, people lived throughout the state of Texas, and they were known for being educators, school teachers, and principals. Early on, my mother was challenged with vocation, career, what she would become. She had a high soprano voice and sung in her church choir at St. James CME and was often a guest soloist in the college choir at Texas College for commencement and special services. Many felt she should pursue a career in music and voice. Her middle sister, my Aunt Lowe, was a scientist, a mathematician, a statistician, immersed in knowledge and knowing. When you would visit with her, she would question you about what you have learned and what you know before dinner or before going to bed. If you were spending the night, oh my God. Malika would cringe when she had to spend time with Aunt Lowell because she was going to say, what do you know? You don't know this? What are you learning in school? 
They're not teaching you nothing? Aunt Lo went on to be a computer scientist in the federal government in Washington, D.C. And uh, if you went to the grocery store with her, uh, she, you, she, she would say, oh, no, you didn't do that right. You gave me only a dime. You owe me another dime. They said, oh, yeah, but this is programmed. Well, your programmer is wrong. <laughs> she knew what she knew. I have... And then she had these congressional reports all on her dining room table and writing to congressmen, telling them vehemently why their decision was wrong and how she had to support that. And Malika teases me now because she said, now nah, that's why you write letters all the time. <laughs> her baby sister, Alfie, was a dancer and danced all over the country in these little juke joints. You remember that name, juke, juke, juke joints? With her husband, Curly. Her husband, the barefoot tap dancer, made it to the Ed Sullivan Show. Y'all, there's some of us who remember the Ed Sullivan Show. He made it there, tap dancing on his barefoot. But mommy chose cosmetology and attended Madam C.J. Walker School in Fort Worth, Texas, and, was gradu and graduated at the top of her class. And shortly after her graduation, my Aunt Lo and her husband, Uncle Jesse Earl, moved to Denver. And Uncle Jesse Earl was a Pullman porter on the Texas Zephyr train, which ran between Dallas and Denver. They invited my mother to join them, and she and two other women decided to go to Denver and open their beauty parlor. They were excited. Mommy moves to Denver and begins to navigate this unknown part of the country. A southern girl goes to the west, working to open a beauty salon. Around this time, a dear, dear male friend, mm -hmm. Charles Allen from Tyler, is in the army and stationed at Fort Francis Warren in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And Charles Allen had been bugging her about meeting his master sergeant, a black man in leadership in the army in the 40s. So he was so very impressed by him and wanted my mother to meet him. Oh, Wyoming's about four hours from Denver. And as the story goes, she kept refusing invitations to meet this master sergeant because her focus and drive was on opening this new shop and starting her career. At the time, there were no beauticians in Denver who were graduates of Madam C.J. Walker. Hey. And they knew they were more than prepared and would sweep the community with their skills. And just thinking about opening the salon, one would say, honey, hush. And the other would say, you better know it. <laughs> this expression would be their signature for years to come. And then finally, her dearest friend, Charles Allen, had driven down from Wyoming and called mother at 3 a.m. in the morning, 3 a.m., and asked her to come over to the house to meet his master sergeant. Duke B. Montgomery, and have an early morning breakfast, 3 a.m. Mommy said, why won't this go away? This just keeps coming back. She was friends with Eva and Charles, and they were all from Tyler. She knew Eva was cooking, so she said, let me go. Let me just check this off my list. Let me just check. And that ain't what she said. Let me check this Negro off my list. That's the, clean that's the, clean, that's the clean version. 
And she gets up at 3 a.m. Come on, ladies, let me tell you what she did. She put on a green gabardine suit, 3 a.m. Black heels, black netted stockings, and her hair swooped to the top of her head. Lord have mercy. I said, Mari, really? You, at 3 o'clock you doing all that? Girl, you don't never leave home looking any old kind of way. You, you don't do that. You got to have it right underneath and right on top. No, you don't do that. She arrives, and as the story goes, she walked up the stairs. Because see, in those days, those apartments were made where you had to walk up a flight of stairs, and that flight of stairs opened to a kitchen. So she, you remember that part? Yeah. So yeah, well, I don't remember that. But anyway, I, she walked up the flight of stairs, and needless to say, he was sitting so at the end of the kitchen table so he could turn and gaze down to see her as she's climbing up. Lord have mercy. And she says, our eyes met as I was coming up the stairs. She said it was all over but the shouting by the time I got to the kitchen. Lord have mercy. Really, mommy? Oh my God, she's probably saying, oh, I don't believe you tell all the people this story. He was tall, dark, and handsome. He wore brown suede shoes, Pastor, with his army uniform that had to be pressed by a cleaners as he waited, sitting in what they called a barrel while his uniform is pressed. After riding from Wyoming to Denver, oh, he was clean. His presence was commanding. And as he would walk into a room, in her words, she said the room would often stand still. I said, oh, my God. She said, but I was on his own. <laughs> he was begging her to marry him and have his child. Mine was saying, I have pretty much decided not to be a mother and not certain about getting married. I'm in my early 30s, but motherhood is not for everyone. So I hear what you're saying, but that ain't the road I'm on. We can just kind of continue to do this right here, and let's leave all of that over there, over there. Ain't nobody trying to be a mama. His press was tired. His press was relentless. And unfortunately, or fortunately, she gave in. They marry, and shortly after they are married, she is pregnant. And as she is entering her third month of pregnancy, she receives a letter in the mail from his wife. and a picture of their son. He was, he was Peggy, what? He was a bigamist. Hello? Mommy is devastated. Her life is turned upside down. 
She is immersed now in Psalm 91. I used to see it all the time on the kitchen table. I didn't understand why she always had it. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him will I trust. I will lift up my eyes unto the hill from which cometh my help. My help has got to come from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, this is tough, God. You got to do something with this right here because I'm getting ready to do all I can to bust this Negro. Oh, yes, I am. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to write the letters. I'm going to write the colonels. I'm going to write the generals. I'm going to write everybody in leadership and tell them about this dog. writing all them letters I said mommy did you write all them all them letters yeah I wrote them all every single last one of them she said I ain't got to talk to the people in the community I'm gonna talk to where it matters I'm going up to the top but then she turns to her mother she knew that her that she could confide in her mother and that her mother would provide comfort and instruction she boards a train, that good old Texas Zephyr, to tell her mother. And this is what she tells her. I am here for an abortion. And she said, my, she said, my grandmother looked at her, what, what, wait a minute, give me the story. I am here for an abortion. I'm at the beginning of my third month. I have got to make this nightmare go away. I am in a nightmare. And she said, her mother said, you know, I hear you. I understand how you feel. She said, no, you don't understand that. No, I understand how you feel. And mama is with you. But no, you can't have. I'm not going to be any part of seeing that you get this abortion. She said, because this might be the only child that you ever have. She listened to her mother. And let me take the time now to introduce to you, Ray of Hope, Marsha Jean Montgomery Klinkscares. You can do there she is. The daughter she carried through tears, pain, heartache, frustration, disgust, and sorrow. However, she committed herself to, to raise her daughter. She believed that God was carrying her. Lord is my shepherd, and I, and, I, and, I, and I shall not want. She kept saying, I will lift my eyes unto the ill from whence cometh my help. And my, my help comes to the Lord. The Lord is my refuge and my strength. God will not leave me or forsake me. God, my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do. I'm going to take care of this child, but you got to help me. Now remember the historical temperament of the times. This is not the time where a woman is looked upon highly who has a child out of wedlock. She thought she was married. And now she is not. Nevertheless, she is a single mother. 
it's becoming almost customary now to hear my, day, my baby's daddy. Not so then. It was regarded with much disdain and distaste. But she took it on. She returned to Denver. She could have run back to Tyler or stayed in Tyler and hidden there and created another narrative. You know, well, let me tell you what happened. She could have created and made up a whole other story and lived in Tyler and lived in Texas under something else. That is not what she did. She faced it, went back to that unknown community. And I share my mother's story and my mother's day because it epitomizes often what women and young women have often historically and currently faced. Mother walked in verse 3. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the follower and the noise of pestilence. The noise with the conversation. Girl, did you hear? Girl, let me tell you what I heard. Girl, you have got to be kidding. Girl, listen to this. Girl, I just heard. Girl, where is the Negro now? Girl, what is she going to do? And it was on, and on, and on, because she'd been parading all around town with this Negro. <laughs> so they were coming together, loving to talk about her. The whispers did not stop, yet God was there in the midst of it all. God Emmanuel, who promised I will not leave you or forsake you. God Emmanuel was carrying mommy with his feathers and carrying her under his wing. God Emmanuel was her refuge, the great I am, that I am that I am. That God was carrying her to make a way out of no way. He was Mother God. He was nurturing her, holding her in the midnight hour when she was crying into those pillows and getting up in the morning with her head up high, walking into the community. God, Mother God, was there. God was Mother's refuge. She had entered a community being an upstanding woman, and important, that was important to her. It was highly valued when she was coming along. She came to contribute, to make a difference. She kept her head up high and faced it. It was indeed her lived experience, but she was determined, it will not define me. I've had this experience, but it will not define who I am. That's who he is. That's not who I am. I believe him. He's the liar, not me. I'm going to walk with my head up high. I will not be disempowered by him. And yea, I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil because I've already met evil. I've already seen evil, but I got to know that you are with me. She faced it during the day, and she cried in her pillow like a baby at night and believed she could have this baby. Enter the beauty salon, and she used to tell me, and put that baby on her left hip and press and curl her hair with the right hand. She was ambidextrous. I can put that baby, let that baby get here. She'll rest on my left hip, and I will use my hand to curl and press that hair. She was holding on to her dream. She was too equipped to quit. Her mama had told her, you can make it, you can have this baby, and you can do this. I have given you all you need to meet this very day. 
Her mother told her, you have got to trust God. And she said, I have no choice. You must know God is with you and you will come through this because almighty God will make a way out of nowhere. Yes, he will. Mommy demonstrated inner strength and she demonstrated courage and she demonstrated integrity and she demonstrated perseverance and she demonstrated the determination like no other. She would be a great mom. Sometimes her words were harsh, cutting like a two-edged sword. I thought highly unnecessary, but I find out later most necessary that I would grow up and develop and she would say, to be a good citizen. Marsha, you got to be a good citizen. Marsha, you got to make a difference in the community. Hold your head up high. She pulled from all that she had deposited within her and decided what looks impossible now with the help of God would become possible. She was young. She was gifted. Look at her, ain't she pretty? Gifted, black, and beautiful. She believed, I can and I will do this. She constantly fed herself the words of the psalmist that he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. God was her comforter. That was Mother God. God carried her. That was Mother God. Great is his faithfulness. And morning by morning, new mercy she received. His grace, oh yes it was, indeed was it sufficient. She knew her hope was built on nothing less, hallelujah, but Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Oh yeah, she, 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 she said, Negro, mm-mm, don't come here. Don't look this way. I don't think so. I learned from my mistakes. There was no one else to trust. She had to find God. Know God for herself. Seek God with her whole heart. Yes, God is real. Real in my soul. For he has washed and made me whole. His love for me is like pure gold. And I could see the tears stream down her cheeks and she's in the choir law singing, I know he's real. And I said, oh my God, my mother's voice is so high. She, I didn't get it. For he has. Yes, God is real. God is real. Real in my soul. In my soul. My mother's voice is so high. I didn't get it. Did not understand that deception, manipulation, abandonment caused tribulation and hurt from a man who was really wounded and hurt. That's what Jason told me on the foot washing. A major morning when God, Jason was washing my feet and, and then it was something about the way he was washing my feet. And I was just like, geez, what? And I looked down, and then the spirit spoke to me and said, that's your daddy. That's your daddy. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let's see what happens in Espinosa's place. I'm telling you, when you come in here, you're going to get healed one way or the other. I never met him, never saw him, never knew him. God knew their, their connection would bring me into this world. I carried their DNA. I was no mistake. It was divinely given. And out of dire hardship and struggle, she
she persevered to give me the best and the finest. Yes, Malika, I'm demanding. God knows I am. Yes, Malika, I do speak my truth. Yes, Malika, I expect the best out of you in every area of your life. Yes, Malika, I know I get on your last nerve, and I know you wish I would just shut up. But as you can see today, Malika, I have been molded and shaped from a woman that persevered against the odds in the 1940s and through the hardship of Jim Crow and segregation and racism and predominantly white community in Denver, Colorado, her own personal hardship and tribulation. She expected me to make it, and I had to be first class in all that I did. Trust me, my words are nowhere near the words I received. But I get it, I get it, and I love my mom dearly, and that's why I could be her caregiver for 27 years. She suffered from advanced dementia, started at age 70 to 97. There was nothing she would do for me, and I'm telling you, there was nothing I would not do for her. I was determined to walk all the way with her, the same way she walked all the way with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She walked. She walked. Now, God sent her husband when I was two years old, LaSalle Harden, from Temple, Texas. He arrives in Denver on the Texas Zephyr for an overnight stay, and he is heading to Portland. They had some place called the Denver Athletic Club, and my mother happened to be there that evening, and he walks in, and he says, oh, my God, and she said, Uh, you, where you going? Can I help you, give you some instructions in here? Oh, no, I, you are just absolutely beautiful. I already know that. Can I give you some instructions in here? He said, I'm on my way to Portland. She said, go to Portland. Go, I think I want to stay here. Don't stay here. This will not work. <laughs> she was determined that she was not going to marry him. But... She grew up at a time where you, you had to get married to make it right. You had to get married by having a husband that made it right for you as a woman and for that child. So it was the time, the social mores of the time that was dictating and influencing. And people saying, girl, you need to marry that man. Said, you, you need to shut up. You know, she, she's strong. You don't, you, you don't want to step up on her. You really don't. Uh, he was wonderful and loved us dearly. And if I had not been told the story, I would have thought he was my biological father. He was determined that nobody else, she was determined that no one else would tell her story to me. She told it and did not hit it. She would say, those Negroes? will not tell my story to you and hurt you and embarrass you one day. I'm going to tell you my story. And you will know. And then nobody can tell you anything that your mama didn't tell you. She was in a place where she was angry with herself. And she just kept saying, now you know if I've heard this, you see the story was going on and on and on. How did I let this man sweep me off my feet? I was too old for this. 
And with all the courage, strength, and dignity, and ingenuity she demonstrated, she could not, all the days of my life, forgive herself. Mother to son, Langston said it right. Life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor bare. But all the time, eyes been a climbing on and, 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 and reaching landings and, 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 and turning corners and, and, and sometimes going in the dark where there ain't been no light. So boy, don't you turn back. Don't you fall now. For I see, I still going, honey. I still climbing. And, and, and life for me ain't been no crystal square. Mommy did not have a crystal stair, but she committed to be the best mother. She walked in the shadow of the darkness. She gave me the finest of exposure. I started music lessons at Lamont School of Music, University of Denver at the age of five. My God, how did she do that? The education, the experiences, the travel, the vacations, the summers spent in Vail, Colorado. How how these three little Negroes, me, mommy, and dad, up in Vail, Colorado. But more importantly, she nurtured me through. A mother nurtures. A mother cares, a mother cries with you, and for you, prays for you, but a mother never gives up on you. Even when I was acting crazy, she said, I'll keep talking to you until you get straight. You will, under my hand, oh no, you will get straight. You will make some sense. This, this ain't gonna happen up in here. This was her story that she leaves with you this morning. Whether you are a single mom, an estranged mother, a caretaker of elderly parents, or a father blazing the trail of serving as both parents. Nurture, love, care, listen to your children, be present. The pitfalls for our children will come. Give them inner strength to combat the challenges of life. There is no crystal staircase. But with God, you are, are too equipped to quit. You are under his wing the same way he was under, the, he was the wings for my mother. Marshallite McDaniel Harden was too equipped to quit. She was a great mother, grandmother, a community, civic, social, and political leader. She was president of the Bronze Daughters of America Incorporated a social and civic organization that gave scholarships yearly to young women going to college. The Bronze Daughters yearly, yearly held installation services for their new officers. At, and at age five, I stood in abstentia for the new treasure, Gertrude Martin, and I put my hand on the Bible and I said, I, Marsha Jean Montgomery, stand in abstentia for Gertrude Martin. And as I continued the installation work, she was equipping me to be a leader. Colored Women Organization's motto was lifting as we climb. She was involved in making sure she was lifting as she climbed. She was president of the PTA. She was assistant to the Brownies and the Girl Stop. This community knew her. She was the manager of the polls and the precincts for political races and runoffs. Lead solos in her church choir. An officer in ever loyal club at church. And daddy built her a shop in the basement of our home. 
she had selective clients. These are just a few of her words I leave with you as I close. You must have substance. Anybody can lay down with somebody. But where is the substance of your character? Don't tell me, show me. I can look through muddy water and see dry land. Marsha, you don't know that you don't know. And I'm going to tell you until you can know for yourself. Nothing beats a failure but a try. I cannot stand indecisive people. Make a decision. If it's wrong, make another one. But please make a blank, blank decision. You have got to be a good citizen. You have got to be educated, productive, and make a difference in this world. This, this ain't about you. You have been gifted, and you need to act it so. Don't believe everything you hear. Take your time. Time will reveal. You will know in time. And when you move too fast, you will miss something. Uh, somebody was hovering over me. I couldn't even catch my breath. What I should have done is say, Negro, get back. I can't even breathe. You, be, you coming down every time I turn around. Let me take a breather from you. Take your time. Sounds like to me a sheep in wool's clothing, she would say. You can only pretend so long the real person will show up. I made a decision that she vehemently disagreed with, and I asked her, why? What are you crying about? Why are you crying? She said, you will tell me before I tell you. <laughs> there is a place for the wisdom of our elders. They have gone through so they can turn around and deposit in you. Hear me. No one is trying to run your life. I repeat, no one is trying to run your life. We are too exhausted from running our own. Howsoever, as an elder, I would be remiss to hold lived experience, wisdom, and knowledge and not share it. You don't have to act on it, but young adults, be wise. And just listen. You may feel like you're the only head in the room, but there were some heads before you, for, before you that took some pretty big, tough hits. Where is the intergenerational connection? What has my life been lived for if it does not help somebody? Then my living will be in vain. Listen here. Don't act on it. Just listen. Take your time. God has a place for it. And in God's infinite wisdom and timing, he can raise it up, what has been deposited and spoken into you, to assist you on this journey of life. You are receiving seeds of wisdom. And one day you will say, hey, maybe this is what, mm, see, I, I, mm, this, yeah, oh, maybe this is what mama, oh, you, you think that's what people at the church would tell, uh, oh, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, even Job said that. Now I can see. We have a responsibility to deposit. 
And Malik is right. I'm going to say what I need to say if I see it. I sure am going to say it. I don't care. I, I come from mama who said what she needed to say. You have a responsibility to listen, to receive it. And even if it does not make sense, and it won't, you may understand it better by and by. Pastor Espinosa preached my mom's eulogy at the University of Denver Chapel in 2009. I brought her back, Pastor, to where she first started me. A woman before her time endowed with so much wisdom, but it did not come easy. First class all the way to equip to quit. Happy Mother's Day.